Excited to, uh, to be bringing the message this morning. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Josiah. I'm the worship and creative pastor here at Awaken, and I love this church. Uh, I love that the fact that you guys showed up this morning. I know Texans, usually with the rain, we're like, I'm not going anywhere, right? Uh, I got my first job out of college. My wife and I moved to Houston, and uh, I'll never forget, it was like, uh, you know, like a hurricane, but we're from Ohio. We're like used to rain, right? And I drove into work, and nobody showed up. I was like, where is everybody? Like, nobody texted me. I guess it was just like assume, like, Texans don't go out in the rain. And so you guys showed up this morning. Be proud of yourselves. Come on. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, you can give it up. Thank you. Someone's got the joy of the Lord back there. Man. Uh, also, I think we've got some, some first-time guests and some people who are new to the area. I want to give a quick disclaimer. Um, this is not winter. I hate to break it to you, okay? We've got a dip in the weather, but there's something called a false fall in Texas, okay? And yeah, all the Texans are like, yeah, we know. So it'll get cold for a week. We're like, oh, thank the Lord, it's not 105. And then like in two weeks, it's going to be 90. So don't put the shorts away. Keep the, keep the t-shirts out on hand. So welcome to Texas. So we've been in a series called Kingdom Culture. Man, it has been a, uh, uh, just an amazing series to go through as a church family. It's been a great series, but not necessarily an easy series, right? There's been some hard topics that we've had to discuss. But I want to say this from the outset of this message. I think one of the signs of a healthy church is when we can have hard conversations and, and, and we don't run away. We can have hard conversations and we can show up and we can pull up a seat to the table and we can sit in some of that tension, we can wrestle with the word of God. We can encourage each other toward Christ. I think that is the sign of a healthy church. And so I want to commend you, Awaken Church, just to say good job. Good job having these conversations, leaning in. I know it hasn't been easy. We've discussed some hard topics, right? Sex, gender, uh, uh, different things. Head coverings. I know that one was a little out of left field. And people are like, what? What is going on with this? You know, thank you for not bringing your head coverings today. That's all right. It's been some hard topics, but we've leaned in. Right? We've sought to understand the context of this letter, and I think it's been fruitful for all of us. One of my roles here is, is uh, my wife and I get a, uh, the opportunity to oversee our life groups. And uh, part of my role is I get to connect with our life group leaders. I get to visit life groups. And I've just been encouraged. I've just been encouraged by the conversations that are happening around this community. So I say that to say, keep that posture of humility because we've got another little bit of a harder message to wrestle out this morning. And it's from 1 Corinthians 14. And it's on the topic of prophecy and tongues. It's on the topic of prophecy and tongues. Now, Pastor Ryan preached last week on the spiritual gifts. So it was out of 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, this is kind of like a part two. Paul uh, talks about spiritual gifts in 12, goes on to 1 Corinthians 13, a passage of love that's pretty well known, and then gets to 1 Corinthians 14, where he spends a little bit more time elaborating on the gifts of prophecy and tongues. Well, it's important to ask why. Why did he spend time elaborating this? Well, historically, right? There's been uh, probably no two greater gifts that has caused more tension, more division, more disunity in the church than the gift of prophecy and tongues. Churches have divided over these gifts. Entire denominations and theologies have evolved from some interpretation of these two gifts. And so I don't think it's coincidence that Paul circles back and spends a chapter flushing out the understanding of these gifts a little bit more. Right? Because they were, uh, they were misused back a couple thousand years ago in the church. And in some ways, they continue to be misused and even abused in our modern context. 
And I want you to kind of think of like a spectrum, like a, a, a line, okay? And on one end of that spectrum, you've got a camp that's evolved uh, just over the last few hundred years, and it's called cessationism. It's the belief that the gifts, the gifts given by the Holy Spirit, that they have ceased to exist, that they existed in a short period of time to equip and enable the apostles' ministry, but then when the apostles died and passed, the gifts also passed. And so that there's no longer a need for signs and wonders and, and, and miracles and, 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 and the operation of the different gifts. They were just for a specific time. And then on the other end of that spectrum, you've got cessationists on one and then you've got kind of sensationalists on the other, right? Where it's a camp that's evolved probably a little bit more in our understanding in Pentecostalism in the early uh, 1900s. And it's kind of a little bit more leaning toward where the gifts are a little bit of like, kind of everything, there's a little bit of an overemphasis on the gifts. And so one camp denies the gifts, the other camp maybe overemphasizes the gifts. And what I want to propose to us this morning, Awakened Church, is this, is that can we meet in the middle? Can we meet in the middle? Put our uh, upbringings, our uh, maybe theologies that we were raised in aside for a moment this morning and come to the table of God with humility in our hearts to, don't, to not make the gifts nothing, but to not make the gifts everything. And as we meet in the middle, to let this conversation be a unifying one. Let us be one that spurs us on to put the love of God on display to a hurting and broken world. Can we meet in the middle this morning? Are you with me? Yeah. Because here's the truth. Paul wrote this letter in 1 Corinthians as a corrective letter to the church. It's a corrective letter. Not a condemning letter, not a judgmental letter. It's a corrective letter to encourage people on toward Christ. I don't know about you. I need a little correction in my life sometimes. Amen? Amen? I do not have the perfect theology. I do not have the perfect Christian practice in my life. I need correction. I need correction. I want to look more like Jesus, and that should be all of our desire here this morning. Amen? Amen. So let's pull up a seat to the table of God. Let's come with open hearts and let's have this conversation about the gifts of tongues and prophecy. Now, before we get to the word, I kind of want to give you a little bit of a visual aid. Do I have any other visual learners kind of in the room? Yeah, it was sometimes really hard to sit through college lectures where you only get words. And so I love kind of visuals to simulate some of the senses. And I want you to think of your life, your Christian life, as a puzzle piece, okay? I want you to think of your life as as a puzzle piece. Now, the unique thing about pieces of the puzzle is that they all have protrusions, right? They'll have areas that stick out. And these protrusions, they represent strengths, talents, gifts in our life. These are our strengths, our talents, our gifts. And then every puzzle piece also has what? Indentations, correct? And I think those indentations can represent our weaknesses, right? Our areas of immaturity, our shortcomings, undeveloped areas of our life. We are like these puzzle pieces. We've got strengths and we've got weaknesses. And it's interesting that, uh, again, just kind of as a recap for this series, that the Apostle Paul, he writes this corrective letter in the first chapter, 10 chapters, 1 through 10. He spends time uh, focusing on personal holiness. He calls the believers toward personal maturity in Christ. You guys know, you've been in this series. We've sat through some hard conversations where he's, he's bringing up and talking about some sins that are happening in the church that make some of us blush, 
right? And, and, and it's the reality. He, he's calling the sin out to love them and call them toward maturity in Christ. He's saying, don't look like the world's culture, look like kingdom culture. And he's given them some tools on how to do that. Now, that's the first 10 chapters. Chapter 11 through 14, there's a little bit of a shift. And Paul turns his attention toward corporate worship. And so these chapters that we've studied so far, right? The head coverings one. Um, we've talked about gifts last week. We're talking about gifts this morning. These are about the operation of how we do corporate worship. When we gather, how are these gifts meant to be used? How are they meant to be practiced together? Right? So it's this call toward one, personal maturity in Christ in the letter of 1 Corinthians, but it's also a call toward functioning in the spiritual gifts together in Christ. Now, Pastor Ryan landed on an important verse last week. It was uh, from 1 Corinthians 12, 7, and it reads this, to each is the manifestation of the Spirit for the what? For the common good. For each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. These gifts exist for the common good. That's why at Awaken, we believe in him, why we hold more of a continuous position, because we believe the gifts are meant to encourage and build up the body of Christ as we're going to study this morning. Let's jump into the word of God. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5. And as you open your Bibles, as you pull open your Bible apps, I'm going to pray for us. Lord, let what we know not teach us this morning as we open your word. Holy Spirit, stir our hearts and our affections for Jesus, for his gospel this morning, that we would be believers who are unashamed to be witnesses of his goodness, of his kindness, of his love, and of his mercy. Teach us this morning. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So, Paul jumps into this dialogue and this conversation on the gift of tongues and a prophecy, and he begins by focusing on a foundation of love. Now, I find this really interesting, okay? So, out of all the directions that Paul could have gone, he starts with this foundation of love. Think of the context of Scripture for a minute. 1 Corinthians 12, like we just talked about, it's a, it's a passage that's outlining the different spiritual gifts. And then he pivots, and he spends... Uh, an entire chapter, right, discussing probably one of the most commonly understood passages in the New Testament on love. Usually we're used to hearing, right, the context of 1 Corinthians in the middle of a wedding message. Well, Paul's not preaching a, re a, a, a wedding message. He's not giving an homily when he's giving this message. He's talking about the context of spiritual gifts. Isn't that just interesting to reflect on for a minute? He spends an entire chapter talking about love in the context of spiritual gifts because love, it must be the foundation for the operation of gifts. It's got to be the foundation. If there's any sort of evidence of gifting in our church, there should be greater evidence of love. Love has to drive the desire to operate in gifts. And so Paul starts with this. He builds the foundation of love. And then he uses this word, right? He says, pursue. Did I forget to read the passage? I did, didn't I? Okay, hold on. Sorry, I got ahead of my, I just, I got wrapped up in the prayer. Hold on. Give me some grace. Let's, let's go back to the word. Let's read the word and then let's get to it. All right. First Corinthians 14, one through five. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy. For the, I'm, I'm, not, I'm now understanding that as I started preaching this, like there was a little bit of deer in the headlights look and I'm like, they, 
Are y'all with me? It's because I didn't read the passage. So pursue love and desire the spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people but to God since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. Amen? Okay, are you with me now? Now you can see that he starts this uh, dialogue by building this foundation of love, right? And he uses this really important word. He says, pursue, pursue love. It means to seek after eagerly, to earnestly endeavor to acquire, right? It's this like passionate pursuit that Paul is calling us toward for love. Now, when I first met Larissa, I've got to admit, I was a little bit lovesick, right? I was like, I met this just most incredible woman. If you know my wife, you know she's pretty rad. And, uh, and she's full of grace and, and she's so merciful. And just, I was just like, wow, I was bewildered, right? I, I, I fell so in love with her that I had to break up with the other girl that I was dating to, uh, oh man, maturity in Christ, right? Maturity in Christ. Man, the Lord had to do some work on me. I joke, but I, man, I, she, she just, she, she blew me away, right? And, and I was lovesick, and I just became obsessed with this, like, how do I win her heart? Like, every waking moment was consumed with these thoughts of, like, how do I show her love, right? And so when I started to plan dates and, and opportunities for us to connect, I didn't take her out, I don't know, to go play soccer. I didn't take her to go skateboarding, the things that I enjoyed doing, Right? I know I took her and we, we went and found romantic spots in the city and I played music for her, right? And we sang songs together and we went to concerts together and we did all these things that, that, that ministered to her heart, right? Because I was obsessed with that. Like, I, I, I want to win her over. And the way to win her over is to find out what she likes and to pursue her in that context. Find out what makes her happy and to win her heart. Can you imagine if we showed up to church or life group with that same mentality? Can you imagine what the Lord would do through this community if we showed up to life groups and maybe instead of being kind of stuck in like the, the, the staleness of our, of our work week or, man, I've got this problem going on or stuff, we're saying, man, I am so in love with Jesus. I am so passionate about his mercy and, and his kindness and what he's done for me that I'm going to show up to life group. And man, I'm, I'm going to pursue somebody. I've got to testify. I've got to tell them about Jesus' love and his mercy. What if we showed up to church with that same mentality? See, the danger of worldly culture is that it's consumeristic by nature. And so, unfortunately, what's happened is that's bled a little bit into the church where we show up to church and we make it all about ourselves. And we say, man, I just need to receive. I'm having a hard time with my, my work or my job or my family or maybe you even fought with your spouse this morning and it's just like, oh, I've got all these problems. Pursue love. Pursue love. If we're only showing up with a selfish mentality, then we're missing the opportunities to bless and to build up the body of Christ. And it's why in the middle of these two chapters on gifts where Paul takes an entire chapter to talk about love. Because he's saying, man, love is patient and it's kind. It's gentle. It's not self-focused. 
And he gives all these beautiful descriptions of what love looks like when it's lived out in the context of community. There's a few points that I want us just to talk about quickly when we talk about this gift of pursuing love, okay? And it's these. Like Larissa has this first one scribbled in the front of her Bible. We heard it several years ago, and it's really marked and shaped our life in many ways, but it's this saying, and it's simple. If you love people, you show up. If you love people, you show up. That's a valuable expression of love here at Awaken Church. If you love people, you show up. Now, I'm not talking, I'm not calling anybody out on you. Take your vacations. I know work conflicts come up. Man, there is so much grace to extend there, okay? But, but the difference is, and I heard a brother describe it like this recently. He said, man, I have a lot of work trips to take. I have a lot of opportunities to, to travel, but, but I always try to work my work trips around life groups so that I can be back with the community. And I thought, whoa, what a mature perspective. What if we lived with that same sort of mentality of saying, these things are priority in my life, and I'm going to try my best to not let anything get in the way, because that's how valuable the body of Christ is to me. That's how valuable the church is to me. Are you with me? If you love people, you show up. You show up. And I want to be gentle but I know that some people have bought into this, 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 this kind of cultural myth that you can just show up to church maybe when you're scheduled to serve or you can show up to life group or church when it's just convenient for you. Church, make it a priority. You see, the primary isn't an authentic expression of biblical love. Showing up and remaining committed to that is a biblical expression of love. We follow that up with, if you, it's not enough just to show up, right? We can show up and we can still carry a selfish mentality where it's all about me and my problems. Yeah. What if we showed up to church hungry to minister to others, yeah. hungry to bless others? Man, I loved our prayer and worship night last month. And, and we started out from the beginning of just saying, hey, if, if this is going to be a fruitful time together, here's going to be one of the markers of success, of success for tonight. Is that by the end of tonight, we're going to be praying and ministering to one another. And guess what? By the end of that night, the 20, 20 or so people that showed up, we are praying and ministering to one another. I looked all across the room and people were praying for each other. They're encouraging them. They're sharing scripture with them. Man, it was such a fruitful time together, wasn't it? Yeah. We show up and, and we come eager to bless others. We come eager to build others up. And we do that by using these spiritual gifts and specifically this gift to prophesy. So the the, the starting point, the foundation of this message that Paul gives is one of love, and it's powerful. Then he continues on with a command. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. Desire spiritual gifts is his exhortation. You see, despite the shortcomings of what's happening in the community— We've kind of glossed over it a little bit this morning, but if you've been here in the series, you know this community was dealing with some serious areas of weakness and immaturity. As I mentioned, there's some sins happening that will make you blush. Kind of like, man, this church, yikes, they got to get it together. And I think the good news for us, right, in this command to desire the spiritual gifts is that Paul spends a couple chapters building them up and pointing them toward maturity in Christ, but he doesn't make that the thing. 
He brings them back to this expression of gifts. And the goal that he's outlining there is saying, no, mature in Christ, keep going, keep pursuing that, but don't neglect the gifts. And so many of us in the church, sometimes we, we limit ourselves, we disqualify ourselves from experiencing and living out the witness of these gifts. Because, man, we just don't feel adequate enough. We don't feel mature enough. We're so focused on the indentations of the puzzle piece that we never focus on the strengths and how we're meant to be a blessing and build up the body of Christ. Man, the Lord has made you unique. He has gifted you in certain ways. I tell my worship team all the time, you better sing because you're the only one who can sing the song that God has put on your heart. And if you're not singing, who's going to sing? Well, even the rocks will cry out, thank God. But we talk about that as a worship team, right? Saying the Lord has given you a special song to sing. You better engage in that gift. You better engage in that gift because when I know your life, when I see the challenges you're walking through, yet, yet I see the, the, the expression of your faith. Man, it stirs me on toward Christ. It stirs me on toward Christ. It's a beautiful expression of gifts. And so Paul says, he says, don't, don't, don't disqualify yourselves. Keep maturing in Christ, but, but participate in not only that, but desire the gifts. This word desire, it means to literally to be zealous. To be zealous. That is strong language. A simple question for us. Do we desire, do we desire the spiritual gifts? Is that evident in our Christian life? question is not to shame you. It's meant to point you to Jesus. When's the last time you've sat in a quiet time and you've prayed and asked the Lord for these gifts? When's the last time you've recognized, Lord, I, I feel weak in this area. Would you, would you give me this gift to help strengthen me? Desire spiritual gifts. Listen, our church, our life groups, they can't function to their full potential. They can't function to the full potential without the desire to be active in the expression of these spiritual gifts. I think of it this way. I'm an I'm a avid soccer fan, okay? And uh, I've got some Spurs fans in the room, right? There we go. They've got a little fist pump. But uh, I follow English Premier League soccer. I grew up in foreign countries where soccer was the main sport. I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with it, right? I, I love soccer. I love watching it. I love playing it. I got some of my teammates in the room this morning. There we go. There we go. And... And now in this season of having small kids, I get the opportunity to coach. Now, uh, we had a little bit of a rough season this, uh, this fall with my seven-year-old. We only won one game, and it was kind of, it was a challenge, right? But, but I had to keep reminding his team week after week. And every time I coach young kids, I always ask him this question. What is the point of soccer? What's the point of soccer? What's the point? Right? And it's so funny. You always get the, the, the funniest, cutest answers, especially from the young ones, right? Like, to have fun. Like, nah, you're not on the team. Go sit on the bench, right? I'm not here to have fun. Come on, shape up. Run some laps. Have fun. We're here, we're here to win. And it's like, yeah, here to win. Yeah. We're here to, 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 to be a team. Yeah, you're great. You sit on the bench too. <laughs> no, I always point them back to this truth. The whole point of soccer is to score more goals than the other team. Think about it. The whole point, and actually not just soccer, but, but all other team sports, it's to score more points than the other team. Score more goals, score more baskets, whatever it is. Now, there's a variety of ways that we do that. And so I think it's to say, like, love is the goal. Love is the goal, 
But like scoring is the avenue in which, in the gifts, right? It's the way that we get to love. It's the way that we show the expression of love. And what happens is you see in soccer, I'm a goalkeeper, right? It's a thankless position. Don't ever be a goalkeeper, young kids, if you're in the room, okay? You put your body on the line and then you're always the bad guy because you get scored on. So I'm looking at Gideon over here. He likes scoring the goals, you know, a little flamboyant on, on his show-offs. Sorry, bro. I love you. It's my captain. So the point, the point is this. So stay with me. Stay with me, all right? The point is this, is that the point is to score goals in soccer, but I'm a goalkeeper. Do I score a lot of goals? No, but I'm a part of the team, right? And the team's objective is to score goals. And so in the church, it's the objective to show love. But the reality of it is, is there's different expressions of love and how that plays out. Some of us serve in the, in the thankless positions. I think one of the thankless positions in this church is the setup and teardown team. Hey, if you serve on setup and teardown team, I know you're gonna hate this. Can you just stand up? Can we honor our setup and teardown team really quick? Come on, come on. I didn't tell you to stop. You can keep clapping if you want. I'm not a morning person. These dudes show up at 6.45 every week. They show up to build this space out so people can encounter God. Like what a crazy expression of love. Okay, you can sit down. <laughs> what a crazy expression of love. It's so sacrificial. It's so servant-hearted and it's beautiful. And it's beautiful, but it's a little bit like playing defense in soccer. It's kind of thankless, right? But to set the stage so that people can encounter God and the body of Christ can come together and the church can be built up. See, the purpose is, is love, and then we're given these gifts, and we should desire these gifts because the point is to score, to work together as a team, to see victories won in Jesus week in and week out, day in and day out in the Christian life, to see people set free, to see people step into the fullness of who God has created them to be. There is no greater joy as a Christian than to see that happen in people's lives, amen? It's the power of the gospel to transform Right? It's not a coincidence that our, that our, that our, our taglines is, is, is live wide awake. We want to see people live wide awake to the reality of Jesus and his plans and his purposes here in the church. So we have this foundation of love, and then we're called to desire, to be zealous about the spiritual gifts. And then he says, especially that you may prophesy. I want to give a definition because I think this is probably one of the most misunderstood gifts in the church. And I think it kind of showed last week, if you were here on this on the conversation of spiritual gifts, Pastor Ryan shared a, a chart and it kind of broke down as you guys go through our fully engaged process and you fill out like the gifts assessment test, which is really cool. By the way, shameless plug, if you haven't done fully engaged yet, first Tuesdays of every month. And uh, is it the third one this, did I say, sorry, <laughs> second Sundays of every, second Sundays of every month. And uh, it's a great opportunity to learn about getting plugged in and becoming a partner in the church, okay? But we do this, uh, the follow-up to that is, is to go through a process of the fully engaged partnership classes and, uh, and to take a test. And this gift assessment test, Pastor Ryan showed the results last week. And it showed all the different areas where all of our church members are gifted in. And I will say prophecy was the lowest ranked one. And I don't think that's because like, like people aren't actually active in using the gift of prophecy. I think it's because it's a misunderstanding. People don't know what it is. And it kind of just confuses them. So I want to give you a real simple definition. Prophecy is a human report of a divinely inspired, spontaneous, personal revelation. See, these revelatory encounters are led by the Holy Spirit 
who gives divine intelligence where we know and perceive beyond our natural ability. And so the source is from God. That's the input, right? And then God inspires these words or sometimes mental image pictures or these, these prophetic inclinations to encourage one another. And that's the output. It gets to us. It's a divine revelation that aligns with the word of God. And then it's an output toward one another. You see, Paul is saying is when we gather as a church, we should especially, especially desire to prophesy. Why? Well, let's look at a few simple reasons. Point number one is this, is because of the nature of prophecy. Look back to verse 2 and 3 with me. It says, For the person who speaks in a tongue is not speaking to people, but to God, since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. So the nature of prophecy is other-centered. Like we talked about, that's the church that we desire to be, is other-centered, not self-centered. See, tongues, it's not a selfish gift, but it's a gift that's, that's meant to be given as a personal prayer language. Sometimes it comes out in corporate settings, and when there's interpretation for it, that's appropriate. But it's a personal gift. It's meant to edify the person. I just went through an intentional time of just prayer and fasting this week, and, uh, and I was kind of in the latter part of my prayer time on, on, um, on Monday, and I was getting a little bit weary. I was getting a little bit tired, right? And, and, and I just sat with the Lord and I sat in the quiet stillness. And I said, Lord, I just surrender my, 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 my words, my mouth to you. And I just, I practice the gift of tongues in a personal setting. I do this regularly. Some of us engage in this gift regularly. It's not weird. It's just a way to have an expression that God, the Spirit communicates to the Father through us. And so what happened in engaging in that gift was that I practiced the gift of tongues. I, I, I stayed engaged and I was thinking and, and as I was practicing this gift, well, Lord, what do you have to show me? And probably about after 10 or 15 minutes, the Lord gave me a specific word. The Lord gave me a specific word for uh, what I felt like was for the church. And so uh, I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. And so I submitted that word to our elder team. And, uh, and it was cool. As during our intercessory prayer time before service this morning, uh, somebody brought up that word. I didn't tell them about it or anything, but this word that the Lord had shared um, in this personal prayer time that was submitted to the church uh, came up this morning. And uh, actually in a couple different ways during our intercessory time. So the gift of tongues isn't weird. And I think Paul's just saying, like, don't, don't get distracted with that, like, it's a personal gift, but he puts the emphasis back on prophesying. Like, if the gift of tongues really trips you up, like, I don't know, come and talk to me. It's, again, it's, 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 it's really not that weird. I think people make it weird, okay? But he's saying, don't let that be the focus, right? The nature of tongues is self-edification, but the one who prophesies is focused on building others up. That's what we're called to do as Christians, as the body of Christ, when we gather in corporate worship, our desire should be to build one another up. Yeah. We don't prophesy to the air, we prophesy to one another. There's a second reason, I think, why we're called to desire to prophesy, and it's because of this. It's because of the results of prophecy. Look at verse 3 and 4 with me. It says, On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So not only is the nature of prophecy other-centered, but the results of prophecy are always meant to take note of this for the upbuilding, the encouragement, and the consolation of others. 
upbuilding, to build up, to construct, to literally build others up in Christ. Encouragement, general help to come alongside. I don't know about you, man, but there's some hard days in life. I just, I need encouragement a lot, right? Can you imagine being in a marriage or, or a friend relationship and, and you never encourage one another? That's not a great friendship. We should be focused on encouraging and building one another. And then the third one, consolation. You know it as the body of Christ, those are in, who, in life group and sharing life with one another. You guys know there's people who are going through really hard things. And so we desire to prophesy to, to provide comfort for them. The results of prophecy, they're always going to be positive. They are always going to be positive. They're always going to encourage, to build up, and, and to provide consolation to others. Okay, so is everyone with me so far? I know this is sometimes just, we've all got different backgrounds that we're coming from. Again, we're meeting in the middle, we're sitting at the table, we're leaning in, that's our heart posture. I want to tell you a little bit of a story. So several months ago, back in February, I had the opportunity to preach. Uh, it was in a series on divine interruptions. Anybody remember that series? Yeah, it was like one of my favorite series, I think, so far this year. And uh, it was this message on Jesus welcoming children. Jesus welcoming children. Now, one of my uh, habits that I do and opportunities I have to preach, I spend uh, Saturday night uh, once the kids are down in bed and find some quiet time and space, and I just go over the message, and I really just open it up. And I say, Lord, here's the work that I've put in. What do you have to speak? What do you have to speak to your people? And I just, I sit, sometimes hours, sometimes, you know, shorter time, and I just, I just submit it to the Lord. I say, Lord, just what do you want to share? Now, in that moment, uh, I, I, I sensed that I had two words from the Lord. The first one um, was a, a, a pretty uh, challenging word. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, Lord, is, is this something that I need to share with the church tomorrow? Is this, what do you want me to do with this? And I said, if I sense from the Holy Spirit, not yet. Put that one aside. I said, okay, Lord, what else do you have for your church? How do you want to encourage your church? How do you want to see your church spurred on for genuine love for Jesus? And I sensed this word from the Holy Spirit that said, somebody is called here to take a step forward in adoption. Let me just say this. If you ever have the opportunity to preach or teach in front of the church, that's not a word you want to receive, okay? Like nobody wants to be that guy of like, oh, hey, you're, you're called to adopt, right? It can almost come across as like callous or insensitive. Like, oh, hey, go adopt a kid. You're like, yeah, right, you go adopt a kid. I don't know, like, and I was just like, oh, Lord, like, I... I don't know about this one. Like, oh, and, and, and as immediately as I asked the Lord, I just, I, I had this crazy emotional reaction. I just started weeping. I started weeping. I started weeping. It was just like a, a, a download from the Holy Spirit of just sensitivity of, of the Father's heart toward the orphan. That's the only way I can describe it. And so I went through that preparation process. I submitted that to the elder team, um, and, or from, to, to Pastor Ryan, and Pastor Ryan was like, yep, it's good. And so the next morning when I preached, at the end of the message, I shared that word. I said, I don't know. I was praying. This is what I sensed from the Lord. Here it is. Immediately after the service, some of our, uh, <clears throat> some of our uh, church members, uh, Jake and Brittany Gruitt, came forward. And uh, you can throw the picture of them up on there. It's such a sweet little family. And Brittany said, Josiah, two days ago, uh, we've been on a journey of, of having kids of our own. And two days ago, um, we had a family friend and a, a teen mom who was pregnant with an unwanted pregnancy. And two days ago, she asked if we'd consider adopting their baby. 
Um, I get emotional because like <laughs> Rory's the cutest little baby, but uh, I was just even telling Brittany this morning, I was like, man, the way that you pursue Jesus, you, you just, you encourage my faith constantly. And we just, I love this family. But man, what affirmation. That Sunday was so cool because it just felt like just God wrote this special story in this moment, in this message where he was able just to, to confirm this couple's calling to adopt, to speak to their destiny as a family. It was just, it was such a beautiful, powerful moment. And the reason I tell that story is I think when we show up with the mentality that God wants to speak to people, that he wants to encourage them, that he wants to call them deeper into their calling and their purpose, we should be encouraged. We shouldn't be fearful of this gift. We should desire to prophesy. We should desire to seek the Lord, to practice intercessory prayer so that others might be built up into Christ. Because let me tell you, all of us are walking in here and all of us need a word from the Lord. All of us need correction. All of us need to hear from him this morning. Paul goes on to say in verse 5, he says, prophecy, the point of it is to build up the church. When we practice this gift, it's to build up the church. Now, we discussed the nature of prophecy. We discussed some of the reasons of why to engage in it. I want to give you really a few practicals of how to jumpstart the prophetic, because I get it. This is kind of like a deep dive, right? And some of you are sitting there like, uh, okay, like we've walked through this, but I still don't know. And, and I just, I want to give you just some practicals for activating this gift this morning, okay? So the first one is this. Show up. Show up for the church family. It's really easy. Show up. Prioritize is showing up. Worship services, life groups, prayer and worship nights, all of these opportunities become opportunities to encounter the Lord and to build up the church. I think if we start to see opportunities like that, it will shift our hearts to desire to show up more and more and more, not out of obligation, out of love, out of love. Show up. And then in seeking to use this prophetic gift, I want to encourage you to do something. Pray. 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 Some of you maybe have lunch appointments, getting together with somebody in the church body this week. Maybe you're on your way to life group. Pray. Take a few minutes. Ask the Lord, Lord, I'm meeting with so-and-so. I'm just asking, Lord, to humbly use me. Do you have a prophetic word for this person? Do you have something to encourage and to build up their faith this morning? Pray. Pray simple prayers. Keep it simple. Pray. Ask the Lord. Prioritize the other person. And then as you pray, I want to encourage you to do something. Get out the notes app on your phone. Get out a notebook. Spend time waiting. Don't rush the process. Just a few minutes. And what's going to happen is that you, as you start to just wait on the Lord, you're going to get it probably a word. Sometimes it'll come as a mental image. Sometimes it'll come as a specific word. Sometimes it'll come as a scripture passage. Here's what I want you to do. Write it down. Okay, because sometimes out of that, again, that fear and that kind of like stepping into the unknown, what we'll do is we'll shut it off. Like maybe we'll get a word and we'll be like, oh, I don't, I don't think that's it. And we'll just kind of ignore it and keep going. Write it down. We're not fearful people. Write it down. The Lord wants to speak to us. Jot it down. And then keep waiting. Keep waiting. Go through that process. Spend a few minutes and write what you hear down. And then once you go through that process, pray again. Ask the Lord, Lord, what from this list, what from these words do you, do you want shared? How can this encourage and, bring, and build somebody up? If you go through this process and when you receive something, take it back to Scripture. 
Because here's the thing, prophecy, it'll always tie back to the word of God and it'll always affirm the word of God. It's not a new revelation. It's not a new revelation. It's, it's scripture. And so tie it back to the word of the Lord. Encourage them with that. And then ask yourself, will it encourage them? Will it build them up? I've been on the receiving end sometimes of some prophetic words where I think the person had really good intentions and it just kind of came out a little bit funky. And it was kind of like, ugh. Okay, you know, like, as a church family, we love one another. Don't get offended. If you're on the receiving end, just let it slide and say, hey, thanks. I appreciate your, your willingness to try, right? <laughs> encourage them. You don't have to receive everything, but, but put it to the test. Ask yourself, will it encourage them? Will it bless them? Will it build them up? And also, hey, is this weird? <laughs> is this a word that, like, maybe is going to make them uncomfortable? If it is, don't, don't speak it. Save it for yourself. Maybe just pray it over them, okay? But go through that process, and I just want to encourage you, one more thing. If this is new to you, if this is unexplored territory, pray. Seek the Lord. Ask the Lord what he has. And then just keep it really simple. Keep it really simple, especially if this is your first time really act, ever activating this prophetic gifting. Keep it really simple. I cannot tell you the most profound words that I've received sometimes are the most simple ones. I was at a, 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 a prayer and worship night one time years ago, and I was in a season of just being a new dad. And I was totally overwhelmed. I was going through a season of job transition. I was feeling just like, man, I'm not like providing for my family as I should be. And I was just wrestling with all these insecurities. And somebody came up and said, man, can I pray for you? Somebody I really loved and respected said, yeah. And he said, I, I just sense from the Lord that he just wants to tell you you're a good dad. And man, it just spoke to like the core of me, right? Like I'm made in the Father's image, like, God is a good God, so then I can be a good God because I'm trying to be like him. I'm just trying to be like my dad, right? Those, those really simple words can, can change someone's life. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Sometimes we get caught in this, like, it's got to be these fancy words and this elaborate speech. Just keep it simple. And then also, the other disclaimer that I want to give is sometimes you won't hear specific words. My wife, she has this gift where she sees in pictures. She kind of gets, like, mental, mental pictures of that. And pay attention to those. Again, if you get it, Share it. Take it back to the word of God. See, like, I, I remember she had one not too long ago where it was like, I see, I kind of just had the mental image of, as she's praying over somebody, you in kind of like a dark forest. And it was just darkness surrounding you, but then, like, it was like every step that you took, there was like a flashlight, like, lighting up each and every step. Take it back to the word of God. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. Well, he didn't know that that person was walking through a severe season of loneliness, and they just needed to know that the Lord was with them, that he's given them wise counsel in the word, right, to, to, to shape their lives and to give them encouragement through a hard season. None of this is like super edgy stuff. Like it's just normal encouragement and building people up in Christ. Some of you are sitting there and I hope my goal is today is just to dispel some myths and just speak to this because you're realizing, oh man, I already practiced the prophetic. Man, like I'm always thinking about other people. I'm always obsessed with this thought of how do I encourage others? How do I build them up in Christ? And so I hope it's encouraging for you to hear this again. This is just the word of God. This is normal Christianity, putting these gifts into practice to build up the kingdom. So as we wrap up this morning, I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team back. But I really want to draw us just back to this image of where we started this morning in these puzzle pieces. The goal of these spiritual gifts is to build up the body of Christ. We're called to desire gifts. We're called to desire to prophesy. And the beautiful thing is that these pieces of the puzzle, they complement one another. And they produce, when they come together and the activation of gifts are happening, it produces a beautiful whole. 
Just as each piece of the puzzle is important, so each member of the body of Christ is important and can minister to one of the other members of the body. These puzzle pieces are meant to bless one another. Every opportunity that we have as a church to show up is an opportunity to bless others, to see others blessed. Sometimes it takes a little work to get the pieces to fit in, right? Be patient. (laughs) That's all right. We got it. It's important. We can show up. We can bless one another with our gifts and with our talents. But pay attention to this. Just as when one piece is missing from the puzzle, you see some blank pieces up there? When one piece is missing from the puzzle, its absence is obvious and it damages the picture. So also is the whole weekend when we are absent from the body of Christ. God's writing a beautiful story with this church. From where we started just a couple years ago to where we're at now, it's amazing. It's amazing. But some of the hard truth for us to wrestle with is we've neglected showing up. And in neglecting to show up, we're neglecting to use the gifts that God's given us to bless the body of Christ. This is actually like a real sore spot for me. A lot of you, some of you, a few of you, I spend a lot of time in prayer for. Because sometimes there's this flippant attitude of like, I'll just show up when it's convenient. And let me just say, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have amazing gifts and talents that God has given you, and I can see it. I can see it. Like if you just lean in, if you just show up, if you just put some priority on this, watch what the Lord's going to do from your life. Watch what he's going to do in you and through you. You'll be amazed. You'll find yourselves decades down the road, maybe in a foreign country, ministering the gospel in power. But yet, because of the neglect, because of the disobedience to not show up, you yourself aren't being built up and the body of Christ is affected because of it. This is me using my prophetic gifting to say, show up. Show up, church. Prioritize it. Show up for one another. Prioritize making love visible in our church community. There's another amazing thing that happens. Look at the completed puzzle. See, when it's completed, no piece really stands out from the other, does it? This genuine expression of love is one of humility. We don't practice these gifts to make a show of things. We don't practice these gifts to build ourselves up. We practice this to build up the body of Christ. And when the body is built up, not one member is greater than the other. Rather, it's unity shared among believers. And it is a beautiful thing.